five, six, seven, eight. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today, we are here to review the season two premiere of Lower Decks, Strange Energies. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts, Slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the historian, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? Doing quite well, as always, looking forward. And I'm saying that with a question mark, maybe, of Discussing Trek tonight. So curious to see how this goes. All right. And from the Ready Room Studios in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, we have the Stargate historian, Jeremy Barrow. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm 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 here <laughs> for this episode. <laughs> oh, glad to have you back, man, of course. And also there in the Ready Room Studios, we have the Trek historian, Jonathan Shorts. How you doing? Greetings, Earthlings. I am doing well. <laughs> All right. Well, we can get into it. And what we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek in somewhat excessive detail. In addition to talking all things Trek, please leave a review and subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you are currently listening on to make sure you don't miss an episode. No real news per se on my end, but we did have the Las Vegas Star Trek convention that happened this past week. Not a whole lot of additional tidbits came out of there, except Robert Beltran let loose that he may be reprising his role in animation in the upcoming Star Trek Prodigy, which I find very interesting. Little Chakotay in it. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know how much he'll be in it, but he did say he, he, he is working on voiceover for that show. So that just sounds... Another reason to go watch Prodigy, because I'm amped up. I really am. Very much so. Very much. Uh, I'm, I don't want to draw comparisons this early, but... <laughs> <laughs> when is Prodigy star? <laughs> we we going to be positive, man. We're going to lift our heads up high and enjoy Lower Decks. Uh, at least try to. So... <laughs> Well, let's just go ahead and get into our review of Star Trek Lord Deck's Strange Energies. Strange Energies is the season two premiere episode of Star Trek Lord Decks. The episode was written by Mike McMahon and directed by Jason Zarek. Approximately three months after the events of the season one finale, the USS Cerritos is dispatched on a mission which results in an encounter with Strange Energy. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. Like always, we like to go to Cal Jones for the beats of the episode. Sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. You never know. Cal Jones, what do you have for us, sir? I think I have a lot tonight. I think I'm going to unload a lot because... I have a little bit of comedic, I have a little bit of irony, and I think I have a little bit of just a good Lower Decks overview. I don't know if this is beats, but hey, (laughs) let's take it for what it is. How about that? Hey, fire away, sir. All right, so here we go. Tindy and Rutherford provide shining examples of the best of Lower Decks. Filled with both comedic misunderstanding and good intentions, we see character development picking up on storylines from Season 1. And for Bulmer, we get a reminder that being on a TNG-helmed ship comes with a Delta Quadrant-sized dose of anxiety. 
All this while Rutherford reminds us to never eat pears. While it's understandable that not everyone can be a fan of comedic self-parody, Lower Decks ultimately delivers again on the exact same thing from season one. Did the show in this episode introduce new characters assigned to the Cerritos for season two? No. Instead, this episode took us not to where no Mariner had gone before, but to the exact same places. Different location, yes, but same Mariner. I think Lower Decks offers an opportunity to either see a comedic take on the franchise or even to see Star Trek and the Star Trek universe in a different light. But shining that light through the eyes of a self-indulged, immature, and irritating brat is not the best route. But maybe it's not too late. Instead of a brig, maybe the captain and the admiral need to transfer her to the 6748 or to the asterisk. Oh, and I know an apocalyptic device with her name on it, but if you didn't get those last few references of what a true space comedy can be, well, it's not my fault. Mmm, nine references are abound in those beats. Oh, man. I told you I had a lot. We can end the episode right here. <laughs> I mean, that, that kind of summed it up pretty, pretty yeah. for the bell on that one. <laughs> mm. Well, uh, with that said, uh, John, overall thoughts. Hmm. So uh, I'll say this. I'll start with the positive. There was not as much like off the wall, ridiculous, silly comedy that I expected that we'd seen in the first, a lot of the first season. Uh, there's a lot of parts of it that just kind of made me smile. Like I was just watching a cartoon. Uh, so, I mean, it, it wasn't overboard. The storylines, the two different storylines really, like they didn't really vary much. We didn't, it, overall, it was a decent episode. I don't think I would have made that the, Season one, season two premiere. It just felt like a mid-season filler episode. What about you, Jeremy? Actually, I think Jonathan hit it pretty good right there when he said it seemed like it. It didn't seem like a season premiere. It seemed like a just a filler episode. Um, I didn't cringe when I was watching it, which I kind of expected, but I didn't like laugh or really. I didn't have any kind of emotion. I just kind of watched it. So, I mean, it was it was there. It was it was it was an episode. It was definitely an episode. Hmm. Yeah. For for me. Well, look, Kyle, Kyle you go ahead. Give us your. Um, do you have any additional thoughts? You know, I actually do. I, I, and I swear that I won't be as um, talky as I was in the beats. But I will say where I came by the beats was I did watch the episode the first time on Friday. And I, as an overall, enjoyed watching it. It. And I'll just echo again, just repeat what Jonathan and Jeremy just said. That said, I wanted to watch it a second time, and I kept putting it off. I was going to watch it Saturday. I was going to watch it Sunday. I was going to watch it as soon as I got home. I never watched it the second time, and I kept wondering why. And that led me to write the beats that I did. And the reason why was Mariner. Mm. Yeah, that's that's interesting because honestly, Mariner, she she didn't get on my nerves as much in in this episode as maybe she had in some previous episodes. I was 
I was fine with her in this episode, but just, I just thought the overall plot was nothingness. It was just nothingness. This, uh-huh. and, and, and I think our friend Tasha Pierce from after the snap said it best, turn your brain off before watching this. Because <laughs> if you're going into watching this with your brain on to get tidbits or see some huge progression, you're, you're not, you're not going to get it from this show. And for me personally, other than the cold open and parts of Tindy Rutherford's storyline, I really just thought it was nothing, nothing. Yeah, we'll get into it. But but just just my little summary here. In, in this episode, we see Mariner work closely with her mother to do good things by power washing this 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 colony slash outpost. Um but as we see, the, the road to hell is paved with good intention as, as Jack Ransom, Commander Jack Ransom, becomes endowed with godlike powers and ultimately seeks revenge over Freeman's favoritism for her daughter. You know, for me, the co-open with Mariner against staging an escape from Cardassian prison, uh, it, 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 it did what the A-plot did not for me in this episode. It hit me with a bit of nostalgia without without beating me over the head with it or mm. in the case of this episode kicking kicking me in the balls but <laughs> <laughs> repeatedly <laughs> repeatedly <laughs> so again lastly i i, I vote for tindy and, and rutherford as the as maybe my favorite parts of the episode so let's just talk a bit about the cold opening because this was my favorite part of the episode to me it just resonated more than anything else i saw it had references, of course, to uh, some iconic TNG episode, an iconic TNG episode in it. But it, I felt like it did it more elegantly instead of just kind of constantly beating me over the head like the rest of the episode did with the with the Gary Mitchell thing. No, let me, I want to <laughs> ask you guys: Would you rather the Easter eggs in this show be more subtle and cause you to do research and you know, kind of? figure it out or do you rather they be just in your face let's make it the main plot of the, <laughs> the episode like they did with with uh jack ransom so for me being a turkey like the subtle easter egg i appreciate it just because i knew what it was referencing but to someone who is not really into trick that much they probably wouldn't have known that episode like to me, when like soon as it opened and I saw where she was sitting and a Cardassian sitting there, I'm like the first thing pop in my head. There are four lights. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> like, but I mean, that's coming from a Trekkie. So I appreciated yeah. that. But coming from someone who's not really into that and never really saw that episode or remember it, it really wasn't important. You, you get what I'm saying? So maybe if like I do like them to be subtle, but I think. In this particular instance, maybe a little more. Maybe if Mariner would have just like looked up and said, why are those four lights there? And the Kardashian yeah. said, no, there's seven. And then they moved on. You know what I mean? Like not just crazy out there, but just a little more to help someone who just really didn't remember that part. They, they did have Baumler be like, where are there all these lights? <laughs> right. Well, you know, for some like me who hasn't really watched a whole lot of The Next Generation, I didn't know. I mean, I remember the Cardassians from DS9, but, you know, I don't know anything about the lights or how they, you know, do their tours. So, I mean, that was all kind of lost on me. It was just kind of there. Yeah. And you just had to say it, it was, was one episode Picard was being tortured by a Cardassian. And 
they, you know, they put him through his torture and then they ask him, how many lights do you see? <laughs> and they were trying to get him to say there were seven lights. Mm-hmm. Well, there were actually four lights. Okay. But they know if he ever got him to say there were seven, they've broken it. Right. But Picard being who he is, he never would break. His answer was always, there are four lights. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, it was a great reference. But like, for instance, Jeremy's like, he went through that open is like, okay. Right. Like, I mean, it was, it was kind of fun, but I like didn't understand. Right. I didn't understand the references, you know? And, and let me tell you what, what also those references can do. I hadn't, I've seen TNG, but I, I'm in that same category as Jeremy. I'm sitting here hearing you talking about it, and I'm actually thinking, oh, wow, that's cool. And that actually makes me want to go back and watch it because I didn't even pay attention to that the first time. Yeah, and it's it's weird because in that case, I feel like it was subtle enough. But again, like John said, you had to kind of know, uh, was it Chain of Command 1 and 2? You had to kind of know those episodes. Yeah. But on the on the other side of that, when we get into the main A plot of this story and you have the reference to the second commission pilot where no man has gone before with, with, with Gary Mitchell. And you, uh, we reviewed that episode on here and, and him having those godlike powers to me on that end, end of things, they just kept saying it so much and kept referencing that episode so much, even down to how he was defeated with like Kirk dropped a rock on him, you know, <laughs> you right. know? it just got annoying to me. And, 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 I don't know. I just don't feel like all of that was earned for some reason. I just feel like they were riffing off the other storyline too much. Yeah, like what? they just threw it in there. Like the whole drop a rock on him. Like they just dropped a rock on him because that's what happened. Like it served no purpose in this episode to stop him. I mean, I get it. Like Mariner stopped him by kicking him in the balls. But I mean, that worked. And why not just end it right there? Why bring in a boulder and drop on him? Like, why did that work? But, you know, it also kind of begs the question, who are they making the show for? Are they making it for the hardcore fans who have seen every episode of Star Trek? Or are they making it for the casual fans who are trying to bring back in to the fold? And it seems like they're, they they haven't decided and they're just all over the place. All right. But what they should do if they were smart was create that balance between the two that appeases the diehard that also doesn't beat people over the head and Clarence that's something that we've made reference to on our Doctor Who review episodes there are many things that Lee and I have gotten on that first review through that was like oh so cool from us from being the classic geeks that we are that but you also were able to enjoy it but didn't feel beat over the head with it on some things I can't think of any yeah. off the top of my head but there was a balance, is my point. Yeah, well, 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 that's the thing to me. I think their episodes should be able to stand on their own without anyone knowing about the previous references. So, again, to the point for that cold open, it Jeremy says he thought it was fun, but it really <laughs> didn't mean much, you know. And even when you get, again, to the A-plot, I don't think it stands on its own if you don't mention and keep iterating the uh gary mitchell plot from the pilot the the second pilot the the whole time i was watching it because i I didn't remember that episode i was like who the hell is gary mitchell (laughs) why are we keep talking about gary mitchell who is this person 
Explain this to me. <laughs> and, you know, it would have helped if they would have even made... I, what really bothered me was... I mean, I get... They did say they were on this... It was a second contact mission to get them to choose a subspace transceiver number. Yeah. But, like, really? We, we need an entire Federation starship and a way team to help them choose a number? Like, that... And that's what our... And we do that... I mean, I... Like, we needed more purpose for being there. We needed a little bit more of a story of this planet that they're on and a, probably a little bit larger problem than a subspace transceiver number. Like, it, it just it needed a little, yeah, a little more meat. Something a little more serious. And then let's throw in the ransom, turn it into Gary Mitchell. You know, as a twist to that plot. Because <laughs> they never you know explained I mean? really who. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you just made the A plot that. Like, I really think the A plot should have been this planet and this second contact with a twist of Ransom becoming God, godlike. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you got the B plot, which I think in this episode, the B plot was more interesting than the A and plot. And the B plot should never be better than the A plot. Never. Yeah. See, here's where I think the pitfall that they keep falling into occurs, which is you are limited in time. You're not limited in scope because it's animation and you can pretty much do whatever you want, but you're limited in time because it's a half hour give and take series with an A plot and a B plot. So when you're trying to be creative with these tie-ins You've got to really be creative with only a 20, 25 minute time frame to put everything in. And I'm sorry, but even though I haven't watched any more than the first season, I think Seth MacFarlane did a much better job of the parodyishness of Star Trek than Lower Decks is. Well, I don't think Seth MacFarlane was trying too hard to make his own Star Trek. And I think that's the problem we have with with Lower Decks. They're trying too hard to make it funny, to make it interesting, to shoehorn all these uh, Easter eggs in, and it's not working. Uh, and and you know just the the whole not enough like only thirty minute art like that that's not good enough. Like Family Guy does it in thirty minutes, right? I mean, yeah. freaking uh, one of my favorite cartoons, Tailspin, long time ago, Rescue Rangers. That song's going to be stuck in my head. You know now, what I mean? Like <laughs> these things, they did, they do the job in 30 minutes. Dragon Ball Z did the job in 30 minutes. And I can still watch those things and be well entertained. I'm sure these people that have the budget that from Paramount Plus, they have a, they can make this. They can get writers to make the story a little meatier. So, so let me ask you this. And, and even if you want to talk about the new Marvel stuff on Disney Plus, what if? action-packed in like 30 minutes <laughs> action-packed but but let me ask you this do you think this story should be should they not take the approach of poking fun at star trek and should they maybe just have fun stories in the star trek universe because i feel like maybe they're more so poking fun at star trek versus the the, the latter I, I and i tend to agree with that well, and I'm okay with them poking fun at Star Trek, but don't make that your main goal. Like, they're subtle, make subtle points. We're going to poke fun at them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But don't make that the whole goal. My whole complaint about Lord Dex from the beginning is like, there's no seriousness. And I understand it's a comedy. I understand that. But there's no seriousness to follow in these episodes. 
And the reason being is because it seems like the entire goal is to get a laugh from poking fun at Star Trek. Mm. And that's not, I mean, we're not watching stand up, a stand up comic. We're watching a television episode, animated or not. So let's have something serious. Let's have our lower decks need their own problems to work yeah. on. And you can still poke your fun where you need to poke your fun. I've seen different parodies of different things and they're still able to do that. Hey, at the beginning of, uh, you, you shared the, the clip of, uh, <clears throat> space, the second space jam. I mean, even they poked fun at Star Trek in that little scene you shared with me and that was yeah. done well. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, I will say, I think they did do a decent job in season one of having their own stories and may, maybe they're just off to the wrong foot in, in with, with this one this particular episode because honestly it's one of my least favorites uh, of, of all of them i want to add something that our friend matthew turnage said on the discussing network facebook group and i had uh, made a comment of talking about star trek uh, lower decks as a parody and matthew says that he doesn't necessarily see this as a parody because he doesn't think that they're trying to send up star trek he thinks that they take the ethos seriously, but they don't take anything else seriously. And that he actually compares this to some of the comedic episodes of the original series, such as I Mud. Maybe. I, I could I could see his reasoning there. I could see his reasoning. Even though I, I don't feel like I Mud is ever this <laughs> bonkers. But I could definitely I can definitely see what he's saying. Cause most of the the Mud episodes were kinda kinda silly ish like that so yeah I, I do get it i do get it hmm so i, I guess let's um get the ratings <laughs> well no, I, actually i have a question for you guys if you don't mind yeah have at it man am i the only one because i may be wrong here because i have a habit of if i latch on to something that i dislike i'm like a dog with a bone and i won't let it go so tell me am i the only one who is irritated by Mariner as much as I am, or are you guys equally as irritated or somewhat irritated? Your irritation is justified. So, 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 so for me, I guess it's a little bit different. I've, I've, I've been listening to the official Star Trek podcast and it's hosted by Tony Newsom and she's the voice of Mariner. So I've gotten used to that voice, <laughs> but, but as far as we're on the show, um, I do like that we're starting with, her and her mother being on the same page. And I don't think Mariner was a problem in this episode, to be honest. I mean, she got a little uh -huh. annoying at the very end with the, you're sending me to the brig, aren't you? You know, that was annoying. I like, whatever. But up until that point, I actually thought she had good ideas. You know, I'm going to go help this colony clean it up. You know, uh, that sounded like a good idea that went horribly wrong. You know, good intentions. So in this episode, I don't, she didn't, she didn't really bother me. She didn't really bother me at all. I rather enjoyed her. She's probably one of my favorite, actually. And I say that, like, the seriousness that I look for in these episodes is Mariner. And the, I say that by saying there's a problem where there's a potential of a great Starfleet officer yes. that needs to be molded. And that is Mariner. And there's that storyline that I think they're trying to hint at, but they never quite get it. But I do like her. Like, if anybody irritates me on this show probably be ransom to be honest like that just is i don't know and it's I, I i just have a problem with egotistical type people you know what i mean like i just 
And it just, he goes, his character just goes overboard with it constantly. And that, that irritates me more than anything. But I mean, Meritor, I'm good with. And I, like I say, I see it as a project and I see it as kind of a, a great path of character development that they really should be following and working on a little more. Like what, what irritates me a lot is I really don't see any growth from her from the beginning to the end. And even in this episode. And maybe that's my problem is the fact that, you know, if she started out as all the things I described at the beginning and we've seen some constant growth in her, but Clarence, when you're talking about her going on her own mission, what I was thinking when you're saying that is I'm hearing her get and be told to do something and says, no, I've got my own thing to do. Blah, 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 blah. Well, yeah, they, 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 played it into the storyline of this episode where again her and her mother Captain Freeman are on good terms and Ransom doesn't like it and I think there was another a couple other group members we saw that looked like they had issues with it so um, you know maybe as a result of last season where they were always always bickering and fighting at this point they're on the same page but it's causing other issues and it even plays into God Ransom Uh, uh, trying to destroy the ship and what he's most upset with and it's very obvious and this was also kind of irritating to me is you know it opens with them trying to be on the same page but it's all a fake like they're trying to fake it yeah and they both know it and like there's no growth in it i mean we have to know that like i think i think mariner's character needs to be written with a little more uh give in it you know what i mean like I get that she's rebellious and, you know, just kind of a wild child. But I mean, some of that growth is going to come where maybe at certain point she says, hmm, maybe I'll try it this way. And yeah. it works. And, and, I mean, and, that- and, and let me say this and then I'll hush about Mariner, at least for this episode. Maybe <laughs> what I would be OK with is if she was the exact same character that she is, but if her mother wasn't the um, captain. I think I might have a different opinion of her, but somehow the fact that her mother's the captain and she acts like this is just a turnoff to me. Yeah. Yeah. What's the word? Nepotism? Is that the word I'm looking for? Spoil bratitism. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Another thing I found interesting on the B plot with Rutherford and, and you know, him, him going to date Ensign Barnes. And of course, Tindy has issues with it. Using this SMD as an excuse to uh, ruin his, <laughs> his date, I guess. Um, it was interesting that they said Ensign Barnes was part of the cetacean operations, which that is aquatic mammals such as whales and dolphins, which is, I don't know, I just hmm. found that interesting. And he was going to swim with them, um, I'm guessing, on a, on the holodeck. But also when Mariner's on the planet and does the, the power washing, the first thing we see is a whale. Uh, on the art so i don't know if they're trying to throw some easter eggs in there or something but hmm. i thought that was kind of interesting it was cool that Anson barnes is a trio yeah yeah i like that part i, I did kind of chuckle a bit with the smd thing because it's kind of like you know I, I don't know i thought when she first said it like he has a i don't know i kept going 
STDs? Yeah. <laughs> what I, was thinking. Well, I was thinking of, well, never mind. I'm not going to say what I was thinking. <laughs> he has an SMD. <laughs> he shouldn't be going out with her. He has no, an right. SMD. I was, thinking, I was thinking she was saying he was into S&M. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. The wrong person had the spots. <laughs> yeah. And she makes a medical gun to, to, to cure him, like. Tendy, yeah, she she went off in this episode, of course. Uh-huh. Yeah, a bit of the jealous type might want to leave her alone. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but again, it was funny. It was off the wall. It was unexpected. But I feel like I enjoyed those two characters, and it developed them as characters more. Absolutely. See if they would have flipped it around and had this be the a plot. And, you know, with a little right. bit more, and then, you know, the other one being the B-plot, this would be a, probably a really good episode, actually. Right. Absolutely. It, Very it, much. And maybe we just don't have enough time in 30 minutes for an A and a B-plot, you know, um, to, to, to to both work successfully. I don't... I, I, see, I, I'm, I don't know. Like Jonathan said earlier, Family Guy does it. Yeah. You know? I mean, Family Guy throw a random B plot that right. makes absolutely no sense and it's still good. Like, I always go back when we talk about Family Guys to chicken fights. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that's just off the wall stupid. And they never say anything about it. But I mean, it's still. But it fits into the episode. Right. And it works. I like, I, it's not an excuse to say we don't have enough time. Yeah. Not if it's written You just well. don't have just enough have, creativity. You just don't have the, the writers able to do that. Right. Or maybe they are able and they're not being allowed to. Yeah. So I, I have another random thought for you. And I'm and I'm thinking the next episode is gonna be an all bumbler episode, I'm hoping. But but my other random thought is I hope this show doesn't make me dislike um uh Riker. Because he kinda annoyed me in this episode <laughs> at the end. <laughs> That's not Riker like decisions. We know him for being a rock. <laughs> and uh, uh, but but you know it seems like Riker's having fun, like Jonathan Frakes is having fun with the role, Still. and that's just how I that's just what I walked away with it from. He's he's having a good time with it. He's hamming it up. I, you know I'm not associating it with the Riker that with canon Riker. This is non-canon Riker. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm kind of with you, Clarence. I I think I mean they could potentially spoil it for me with that with the Riker. Now I'm not expecting much from it, but I mean. Let's not go overboard with the Riker and like they've done with so many other Easter eggs. Like I think they're going to ride this horse to the end of the world. Like they're, they're just going to Riker, oh Riker, 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 yeah. Riker, Riker, well, Riker, Riker. Let's just, let's just think of this as a fractured mirror universe. That, <laughs> that 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 whatever you're seeing is going to be somewhat skewed in some way. I took that as them showing, you know. You do you really want to serve on the flag a Riker or a Picard yeah. or a flagship because the bleep is always hitting the fan? <laughs> I mean, that's why I said what I did about the anxiety. You know, you, you you're you're not going to have a downtime because every freaking mission this is going to hit the fan. Yeah, yeah, and I, I buy that. I buy that. I definitely felt what they were trying to do in that that short scene, showing Bumler trying to adjust to the perils of being on a flagship vessel. I definitely got that. But but again, I don't know if I I don't know if I want to see much more of 
my characters from other shows being too silly. You know, if they drop in for an episode and silly, they're gone. I I'm, I'm, might be more cool with that with, than prolonged um, degradation of my characters. But is he going to be on that ship for long? Or are they trying to move him back to the Cerritos? Let me ask you guys this, just hypothetical. I think this will work. If they were to keep Riker and the Titan in the storyline, why not let that be the serious line that we're looking for? Like, let that be maybe the B plot. I mean, it doesn't have to be the A plot, but I mean, leave the silliness on the Cerritos because obviously it's not a flagship. It's not handling the primary mission. So, you know what I mean? And then Riker's ship is dealing with the more serious issues. And then you see a lot of growth from Boimler. Because now he's becoming a more serious officer dealing with bigger, more important problems. And that growth from him in communication with the people from Cerritos and Mariner, they kind of are learning how to become that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would enjoy that if they if they kept Riker's ship as more of the serious side of the story. And, you know, they are actually dealing with difficult problems, things that with of substance and then we get back to the Cerritos and we're still having these silly issues, but they're still growing because of what they're hearing from the Titan. Like, I think I will enjoy that a little more. Yeah. And I think it'd be interesting if they if they paired um, the Cerritos with the Titan, like, you know, sort of like you said, to be there. The Cerritos is the de- designated second contact ship for the Titan. That would be cool because right. he, he have opportunity for more interactions between the, the, the crews of both ships. But I think I saw in another preview that they released that we're going to get real Tom Paris instead of just plate Tom Paris. So, so that would be really? cool too. Yeah. I could have sworn I saw that somewhere. I'm going to look it up. But, but yeah, I don't know, man. I really don't expect much from this show, but I just want to be entertained. I'm going to take uh, our friend Tasha's advice and just turn my brain off and just watch. <laughs> um, but with that said, uh, if nobody else has anything, let's go ahead and get ratings for the episode. And uh, let's start with you, Kyle. What do you think, man? Mm. So I'm actually going to uh, take a cue from discussing who and give an object. I'm going to give this two pairs out of five <laughs> because you never eat pairs. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. All right, Mr. Rutherford. Mr. Rutherford. Um, so, so I guess, um, Jeremy, what, what do you think, man? I'm going to give it a 1.5. 1.5. Wow. Hmm. Jonathan. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, we did a lot of griping about this episode, but it, uh, it seems like we always say, it's good. It'll be good if they do better after the fact on the next episode, but uh, I doubt it, you know? So I'm going to have to go with 1.5 as well. Ooh. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give it 2.5 lights out of five, and uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. There um, were three lights. <laughs> <laughs> So there's two 1.5, a two, and a 2.5 for me. Wow. Mm. Starting off low. (laughs) All right. Well, guys, what have you been working on, watching, listening to? What's been tickling your fancy? Podcast related or otherwise. And let's start with you, Jonathan. Mm, Man, not much. I am moving right now. So 
all of my time has been consumed with that. I have not even watched an episode of Star Trek in like almost a week now, other than this Lord X episode. So, uh, not much I can recommend, but I can say, as always, just subscribe to our channel, to subscribe to our podcast, so you can get all of the great reviews we do, and maybe some great reviews of Lord Dex when they make better episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. Uh, what about you, Jeremy? Still playing uh, uh, Skyward Sword or Breath of the Wild? I actually started, my nephew bought me Skyward Sword for my birthday, and so I went back to Breath of the Wild. And it's pretty good. I like it. I, I'm still, I haven't beaten it yet because I'm, I'm trying to complete everything. And then maybe I'll go back to Skyward Sword. Completionist. Got, got to get everything. Got to get everything. Got to catch them all. Jenkins. Don't, don't run in there all crazy. <laughs> You're going to get us all killed. <laughs> Damn it, Leroy. Many people's running away from it all crazy right now. <laughs> oh, Cal Jones, what about you, man? You know, since I mentioned it in my beats, I will point anyone listening who and since we've been giving lower decks a hard time i'll just restate what i said earlier if you would like to hear some very good space comedy in audio format check out eyes nine eyes dash nine oz dash nine excuse me podcast.com where you can hear myself as well as lee shackleford from discussing who uh on this show awesome yeah 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 and I will say, check out our Doctor Who podcast, Discussing Who, which you can find by going to DiscussingWho.com, where we have a bunch of good episodes in the coffers, cooking and ready to be released. So those will be coming out real soon, a bunch of fun episodes, as well as leading up to our 250th episode, Cal, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, indeed. 250 is right around the proverbial corner. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be a lot of fun as we get into one of my favorite eras of Doctor Who. I'm going to call it the Clara era. <laughs> so, with that said, thank you all for joining. Uh, what do you think of this episode? Prove us wrong. I know we're not, you know, we don't know everything. We're not always correct. I know that there are a uh, a bunch, a huge amount of people who love Lower Decks and if you're one of those people, please write in and tell us how you feel. You know, we might even get you on the show because we definitely need some positivity on this one. <laughs> and you can do that by hitting us up at Discussing Trek on any and all social medias or emailing us directly at fans at DiscussingTrek.com. Once again, guys, thanks for joining. And until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe.
What are you doing in here? <laughs> Mon Dieu, ma petite oiseau. <laughs> I shall return. Really? The things I put up with on this ship. Be sure to subscribe to Oz9 wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com. <laughs>